This is an I Am Listening original podcast. Landlords are generally not horrible people. You know, they can be in this as a business, but generally speaking, you know, if you speak to them, if you communicate with them nice and early, be open and honest with them, you know, they're human beings at the end of the day and you know, they're nice people. Welcome to the Property Podcast with Wards and me, Gary Wilson, the monthly podcast where I'll share with you all the latest Kent property news, as well as speaking with industry professionals to offer advice and tips that will hopefully help make your house moving journey a little less stressful. This podcast is brought to you by Wards. As Kent's local independent estate agent, Wards utilise years of experience and expertise to promote your property in the best possible light to the largest possible audience. For more information, receive an online valuation in less than 30 seconds or book an in-person appraisal of your property with us today. Head over to wardsofkent.co.uk to find out more about our unique approach. Welcome to episode six of the Property Podcast with Wards. Today, we're talking about renting a property with our special guest, James Stefani, Lettings Business Development Director at Aaron Estates and at Wards. Many thanks for joining us. How are you, James? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, we're thrilled to have you here because we've got a lot of questions to get through. Obviously, the renting market, like all the property market at the moment, seems a bit like a bucking bronco that we've got to try and jump on and hold on tight. So uh, let's see what we can learn from you today, what expertise we can glean. First of all, what's the current state of the rental market? Obviously, there's various trends and shifts at the moment. So, So what are we looking at? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right in what you say. It's a bit bonkers at the moment. So what what we're really seeing at the moment is a, a, a really short supply of properties available on the rental market and, and really high demand. That really sort of exploded during the pandemic or at the end of the pandemic when everyone was released from lockdown. Um, people, when they were confined to their homes for such a long time, decided they wanted different things out of their properties. And, you know, they wanted outside space. They wanted home offices to be more rural, all of those things. And, you know, that, that really fueled lots of people looking to move house. And that was both in sales and, and in lettings as well. Um, but that obviously drove up competition. Supply wasn't really there. So that drove up prices. Um, so some landlords, I mean, this did a couple of things. Some landlords then decided, hey, house prices are flying up. Let's let's cash in and take a step away from the rental market. Um, so that shortened supply even more. And then since the pandemic, what we've really seen are people kind of staying put a little longer. So again, that reduces supply because um, people are staying put, not moving. So those houses aren't coming back available again. And again, short supply, that really increases demand because that hasn't gone away and, and prices keep going up. So yeah, it's a bit of a perfect storm at the moment, to be totally honest with you. So more than ever, people have really got to think about everything as they're getting into the renting process, maybe for the first time. So what are the key considerations for someone who's new to renting and wants to understand the whole process better? What do they need to think about? What's uh, looming large, first of all, that they should um, occupy themselves with? Yeah, I think look, if you're brand new to renting, then I think you've got to start off by doing a little bit of research. I think you need to know what it is you're looking for. So have a good idea of, of the property you want to find. Have a good idea on what you can afford as well. So, you know, with rental prices flying up and cost of living is really challenging at the moment for most people, then I think you have to be really quite sensible with what it is you're looking to, to spend and, and, and knowing how much you can stretch to. One of the key things I think is to speak to a letting agent, speak to a professional who, who can really guide you through the you know, the things you really need to know and take into account when you're moving. You know, when you start looking for a property, there's loads of 
property portals, websites where most of the letting agents and, and landlords will advertise their property. So you'll get a really good feel for what's out there. But if you do go kind of the, the around the houses route, maybe direct to a landlord, if someone's advertising in a news agent's window or sort of really old school like that, then just be really careful that they're doing the things they should be doing. But I think, you know, be wary of scams as well. Then you do hear some horror stories where people are asked to pay money up front to view a property and that, that should never be the case. You know, the only money you should ever part with before you, you know, move into the property and pay your deposit in first month's rent is a holding deposit. And that's capped by law at one week's rent. So I think it's really important to know these things in advance. Don't get sucked in by scams or tricks and, and trust the professionals because that's what we're here for. And obviously you're looking at what a potential landlord might be offering you and to make sure that they're, you know, all bona fide. But what are the typical documents and information that landlords will want from our prospective tenant during that application process? What kind of paperwork do you need to have in order? That's something that's going to vary probably from, from one landlord to another, from one letting agent to another letting agent. But there are some things in common. And you know, the information that landlords will want to know at the start of the process when they're making their decision to see if you're a suitable tenant for them is really going to come down to a few things. So there are some things by law that landlords have to check, like somebody's right to rent status. So that's something that everybody, regardless of whether you're English, French, German, Nigerian, Australian, wherever, you have to do the same checks on, on everybody the same. And that's just checking that you have the right to live in the UK. From there onwards, then it's normally a bit more of a proof of address. So we know where you last resided. And then it's nuts and bolts about the mechanics of what it is you're offering to the landlord. So how much rent are you offering? How long do you want to live in the property for? Who's moving in? How many people? Do you have pets? Are there children? anyone smoking in the property, your employment information, that sort of thing. And that's that's a fairly standard sort of run of things that landlords will want to be aware of when selecting you as, an, as a suitable tenant. That kind of covers my next question, really. How does the rental application and screening process... Yeah. How does it all work? What's kind of going on behind the scenes? How do they do those checks? What are they really thinking, landlords? If they might choose you, it would give people maybe an idea of another thing to think about that might put their chances getting a property ahead of somebody else. Yeah, well, absolutely. When the, the, the things we just covered are, I suppose, the the initial, how does this situation feel? Um, you know, do I feel comfortable with these tenants? And landlords are looking effectively to manage risk, aren't they? They're looking to find good tenants who'll pay the rent, who'll look after the property. And yeah, for most people who live in the property for a nice long time and treat it like their own home, that's what, that's what most landlords are looking for. So the referencing process really verifies all of those things that you say at the start. So they go into a bit more detail um, with the reference check. So they'll actually check with your employer that you do work there and how much you earn and you know, what sort of contracts you're on, if it's full-time, part-time, zero hour, all of those things. If you've rented before, then normally the reference checks will speak to you or ask your current or previous landlord or agent to provide a reference for you to see, were you a good tenant? Did you look after the property? Did you pay the rent on time? All of those things. And, and within that normally as well, there would be a credit score, credit check, just to make sure that there is nothing uh, horrible in your credit history where you've run up huge debts and failed to pay them and that sort of thing. But you know, none of those things mean that you wouldn't necessarily get through the referencing process, but it, they're all things that the landlord or the letting agent want to be aware of when, when entering into a tenancy. Are there any kind of unofficial things and hints you might give to 
prospective renters, you know, that that aren't covered by filling out forms and checks of all kinds and references and that kind of thing. Is there anything, you know, um, if there's a person-to-person contact, is there any kind of hints and tips on that kind of front as well, more kind of human way of approaching things? Yeah, I, th- I think, and we've, we've seen it quite a lot, but just um, being nice. I think, you know, it, it, it gives people, it gives the landlord um, the reassurance that you're, that, that you're, you're a nice tenant. Yeah. You know, we, we have, you know, as I mentioned, demand is incredibly high and we have lots and lots of people viewing properties and we sometimes have, or quite often have multiple offers being made on properties. And then it really can come down to, you know, what did you, what was your gut feeling about the person or the people themselves, you know, who, who do you think would be the best tenants? And you can't tell that through referencing tech checks. They're very binary things that just validate numbers and and data. Um, yeah. So it does quite often come down to, you know, ha- how you are when you view the property, you know, does the landlord get a good feel for you? And, you know, we've had landlords recently where there've been a few offers and they have, you know, one landlord in particular actually last week came back to us overnight after mulling over several offers and said, look, I have to rent to the couple who have, the young child because I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I hadn't, you know, they, they, they didn't have somewhere to go and live. Um, so it can come down to a very personal connection and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So I think, it, I think it is about being, being human, being nice. And, you know, most landlords are, are, are exactly the same. They're not these horrible people living in, ma- in mansions with their property empire, just counting the money. For most of our landlords, certainly it's, it's very much uh, you know, about a, a long-term relationship and, uh, and, and not a business. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Are there any specific rights or protections for tenants that are important to be aware of? And what are the responsibilities and obligations of tenants as well in terms of property maintenance and care and stuff like that? Oh, uh, in terms of specific rights and protections, yes. I mean, there are probably hundreds of things you could go into and, and, and we certainly don't have time to go into them all today. But this is sort of where it comes around to what the tenancy agreement will, will be saying. So the tenancy agreement really covers all of these things, all the rights and obligations and protections for the tenants of what the landlords must do, what the landlords must not do. And the same thing for the tenants, what the tenants should do, what the tenants shouldn't do in the course of the tenancy. But yeah, as a general big overview, your know, tenants have, once they're in a tenancy, you know, they have the rights to quiet enjoyment of the property, which means if they do everything they should do as tenants, the landlord can't bother them, can't harass them, can't knock on the door every couple of days asking to see you know what conditions the property and that sort of thing. Tenants have strong rights for protection from eviction, so landlords can't turf them out for no reason. You know, only if the tenants have done something substantially wrong that's covered by you know specific grounds in the Housing Act, so they they can be evicted from properties uh, for for doing nothing wrong. Um, so they they do have rights, and and there are strict notice periods in place for landlords when they do want to add tenancies as well, which um you know which I think we can talk about later on. Um, but generally speaking, landlords are after good tenants who look after properties. So, you know, if, if you're one of those people, then, you know, you, you've probably found a, a property for a good long time. And yeah, again, within the tenancy agreements, you know, there will be things set out that, that the tenant must do. So, you know, pay the rent, look after the property and take care of um, the minor day-to-day things like changing light bulbs when they, when they stop working and testing the smoke alarm occasionally just to make sure it still works. But if it doesn't work, if you tell your landlord there, the bigger ticket items are your landlord's responsibility to look after. So if the boiler breaks down, that's your landlord's responsibility to get that fixed and, and, and things like that. So 
generally speaking from a tenant's point of view, when you're in the property, just do the day-to-day things, keep it clean, keep it tidy, look after the garden if there is one, change the light bulbs when they break, that sort of thing. Nothing too onerous. A bit of common sense goes a long way, it sounds like. Very right, much. next we need to talk about money. So, James, are there any specific rules or regulations regarding rent increases? Because we've been seeing these stories, particularly over the last six months or so, of all kinds of costs going up, particularly property costs as well. Uh, So is there anything that governs that? And if suddenly tenants feel their rent is suddenly flying up unfairly, what can they do about it? Yeah, so there there are a couple of things here and um, it really depends what sort of tenancy you're in, I suppose. So really, when we look at it from this point, there are two types of tenancy. There's a fixed term tenancy, which means you have an expiry date or an end date in the future. So you move into a property today, you have maybe a 12-month tenancy. So in a year's time, your tenancy agreement ends, but is generally speaking going to be renewed. So If you're in a fixed term tenancy, your rent is probably fixed for the duration of that tenancy at at the level it is at the start. You could find, however, that there are rent review clauses in your tenancy agreements. This is where it is very important before you enter into a tenancy to really understand the things that you're agreeing to when you do it. And these things shouldn't be hidden away. They should be very, very clear and obvious within that. So if there is a rent review clause, then that will have been agreed by you and the landlord at the start of the tenancy. And that's normally then based on something tangible, like an inflation-based increase or decrease figure. So you know about that at the start of the tenancy. Um, If you get to the end of the tenancy and you're talking about renewing for another 12 months, then if there's no rent review clause, well, you're back to the starting point. So you're negotiating terms again with your landlord. So your landlord might talk to you then, or your letting agent on your landlord's behalf might talk to you about the rent increasing. And again, that should always be based on something fairly tangible. So looking at market conditions, looking at um, inflation figures and that sort of thing. And that's a negotiation. So that's not a definitive, your rent is increasing. That's something for you to agree to or not to agree to. And if you do agree to it and you think it's fair, then you agree to it and your new tenancy starts at the higher rent, you're a new tenancy. If you don't agree to it, then your options are really, well, will your landlord change their mind and you know, a lot of landlords for good tenants are quite flexible. So that's that's definitely a possibility. But the worst case scenario is your landlord is quite adamant they want the higher rent. And then that leads to the tenancy having to come to an end and you find or having to look for a new property. Now, when you're looking at that rent increase, it is worth looking at what the market conditions are and have a quick look on, on right move or property portals and see, okay, for the same property, is my landlord being realistic with their expectation or not? Yeah, not every landlord is, you know, living in a mansion with loads and loads of money and just looking at the income coming in. If you look at cost of living as a whole at the moment with interest rates on mortgages and a lot of landlords are actually facing a fairly difficult situation with their mortgage payments rising quite substantially. So it might be that the rent increase they're asking for, assuming it's still a fair increase, is helping them cover their mortgage. And it could be the difference between them making a profit or a loss. And if a landlord's making a loss, then they may have to look at selling the property, which it certainly isn't in anyone's best interest. So yeah, if that's that's the situation if you're in a fixed-term tenancy. It's slightly different if you're in uh, what's called a periodic tenancy or a rolling tenancy. So if your tenancy came to an end, but you stayed in the property and the landlord didn't want to renew it, they didn't want to agree to another 12-month fixed term, 
then periodic tenancy arises. And that's basically a month-by-month tenancy. And there's a slightly more formal process in a periodic tenancy for changing the rent. It's um, called a Section 13 notice, which is um, very boring and, and not important. But what the Section 13 notice does is it formalises the landlord wanting to increase the rent. And if that happens to you, they, they're basically giving you one month's notice as a minimum of their intention to increase the rent. And you then have the right to challenge that, um, but you have to do it within that month. And if you do challenge it, then you you would tell your landlord you're going to do so. And then there's a form you'd need to fill out and you'd send that off as a government form. You'd send that off saying, I don't want to pay the higher rent. I don't think it's fair for these reasons. Give them some evidence. And then in about two to three months time, because of the delays with these things, you would then have a tribunal hearing and they would assess what it is the landlord's looking for. Is that fair? Let's look at the market conditions. And if they do think it's fair, then they would agree that that's a fair increase and it would apply from the date of the notice. But if they don't think it's fair, then obviously the rent would remain as it was, or they may set an in-between amount. That's that's also possible. And then you would pay either the same amount as you were or the amount the tribunal says is fair. So that's really how how that works at the moment. Um, there are some changes to legislation going through Parliament at the moment, which will actually won't change this so much, but it, it sort of looks at this process and will look to make this a uh, a more rigid process that it can't be done more than once a year and um, yeah, make it trying to make it fairer to tenants at the same time. So the first bit of cash you're going to usually end up handing over is the deposit. So tell us about the deposit protection scheme. How does that work and what steps should tenants take to ensure the proper handling of their deposit that it's not suddenly going to disappear, I guess, is most people's fear or they just never see it again? That's it. I mean, I've worked in things long enough to know what happened before deposit protection. And um, let's just say it was a a good piece of legislation that came in to protect tenants because um, you heard you did hear some horror stories of landlords spending it and not having it to give back at the end of the tenancy so that in a nutshell is what deposit protection stops now so every every landlord every letting agent where it's an assured short or tenancy which is the default type of tenancy agreement at the moment uh, where you take a deposit you have to protect it within a government approved tenancy deposit scheme and that safeguards the money so at the end of the tenancy, the tenants know that if there's a dispute, then they have some recourse. They have free adjudication. So they can challenge what the landlord is looking to deduct, uh, provided there's obviously they have evidence to, to, to say it's not fair. And the deposit protector scheme would look into it. They look at all the evidence submitted from the landlord and from the tenants and see what, what is the fair um, outcome for this situation. And it also means that the money is safeguarded. So if for any reason the landlord just did disappear or refused to give back the money, then the deposit scheme would step in and pay back the money to the tenants and then they would go after the landlord for the money. Most letting agents work on behalf of landlords and hold the deposit for them. So you know you have a letting agent in the middle and you can... I suppose with a letting agent, you're taking away the risk of having a rogue landlord who just does disappear and and, and not care about giving the money back. So, you know, again, I I think I mentioned earlier, but speak to a letting agent, speak to a professional letting agent, someone who's a member of Property Mark, who's um, one of the governing bodies of of letting agents, and you know you're in good hands then, you know you can trust them. Yeah, sure. And apart from the deposits and apart from what people might think is uh, an unfair raise of the rent. What are the other common reasons for tenancy disputes? How can tenants resolve those conflicts with landlords? Yeah, it's a good good question. I think 
the end of tenancies where things come to a head. So it does quite often revolve around the deposit and the return of the property. So protecting the deposit is one thing, I suppose. The how the property is handed back to the landlord is also important. So, you know, at the start of a tenancy, the landlord should have uh, an inventory and schedule of condition made of the property so that you know there's a, a benchmark for how the property was when you moved in. And then the landlord is entitled to expect the property back in similar condition at the end. They have to allow for fair wear and tear. So, so making sure there's been no significant change during the tenancy, no damage, nothing removed or broken. And if those things have happened, then you know, check the inventory at the end of the tenancy and you know, then you can make those things good before you move out. So that, that, that would sort of solve those issues. I suppose the other things that um, will happen during a tenancy, maintenance issues can be problematic from time to time. Um, you know, sometimes tenants have expectations of things being fixed instantly when that's not always possible. So I think sometimes being reasonable in your expectations, but where things do drag on, absolutely, you know, you are entitled for things to be fixed in a reasonable time frame. Um, so, you know, report things nice and early, I think, is is the key thing there. Especially little things that don't seem important at the time, like oh, the tap's dripping, or oh, I've noticed a, a leak under a sink. Oh, I'll, I'll get round to it in in the future. Then, well, in the future, if that's one month, two months, three months, that could have turned into a significant problem that the landlord then has to spend a lot more money to fix. So I think reporting things nice and early um, and don't worry that it's, you know, oh, I don't want to be a bother to my landlord. Trust me, they, they prefer that than, than a huge problem to deal with. And I suppose the other thing, especially when we look at you know, things during the pandemic when you know people's uh, employment situations were, were, were changed dramatically with the furlough scheme and, and, and things like that. So looking at the rent payments, if you are struggling to pay your rent and you know right now we're in the middle hopefully past the middle of a cost of living crisis but you know looking at if you if you're struggling to pay your rent then then speak to your landlord or your letting agent as soon as you can um you know we we were incredibly i don't want to say surprised but pleasantly surprised i suppose by landlords reactions during the pandemic to tenants who were struggling to pay their rent landlords were far more flexible than i thought they might have been and we agreed payment plans, some landlords agree rent deferrals, some landlords even wrote off some rent arrears because tenants are struggling. So, you know, landlords are generally not horrible people. You know, they can be in this as a business, but generally speaking, you know, if you speak to them, if you communicate with them nice and early, be open and honest with them, you know, they're human beings at the end of the day and, you know, they're nice people. Well, we kind of covered the start, some in the middle and the end of the process, but in that middle bit, obviously things can change by accident you talk about leaking taps and that kind of thing but what limitations and restrictions are there on modifications and alterations that tenants might want to do in a rented property to make it a bit more you know their style and make it feel like their home what you're allowed to do what you're not allowed to do yeah so this is another one that comes back to the tenancy agreement i guess the tenancy agreement will mostly have and let's be honest tenancy agreements are long and boring and, and they're probably a bit like apple's terms conditions you never read them you just you just click to the end and and, and sign it. Um, but you should read it because that's exactly what's going to be in your tenancy is what you can and can't do. So generally speaking, it will limit you to just doing probably quite minor things like putting up pictures, that sort of thing. Landers will want to stop you from doing things without further permission. And quite often, if you do want to redecorate, most landers are happy with that, but they'll just want to agree. They might want to agree the colour scheme, they might want to let you go. Just go for it, but please just do a good job of it. Or they might want to say at the end of it, well, okay, you can paint the walls black if you really want, but 
can you just paint it back to Magnolia at the end, please? That's the conditions for it. So, you know, within reason, I think landlords are happy for properties to be maintained, well looked after. Yeah, if you do a good job of decorating the landlord's property, then you know, that's great for the landlord as well because they won't have to get the painters in when you've finished, uh, when you've moved out. But yeah, I suppose it's just doing a a reasonably competent job of it, not splashing paint all over the carpets and that sort of thing. So I think the important thing there is if you are agreeing things that, that you're allowed to do during the tenancy, and that might be a separate agreement to the tenancy agreement, or if you have an idea before you move in of what you'd like to do, then that can be added to the tenancy agreement. But just make sure you get something in writing which confirms what you've been allowed to do and also any conditions that might have been set in terms of how you return the property at the end. So if, if you are putting up picture hooks everywhere, does the landlord want them to be removed and the holes filled at the end of the tenancy? Because that's where it comes back around to your deposit being returned to you. Or if you haven't met those uh, those conditions, then maybe the landlord has some grants to retain some money from your deposit to fix those things. So again, it's about being upfront, but having you know, keeping the uh, the evidence that you've been allowed to do those things. Yeah, it's so much of this is just kind of keeping a dialogue open with the landlord. Just an ongoing relationship, really, rather than a thanks very much, we'll see you in a year. Just keep that door open, as it were, really, to them. Very much so, very much so, yeah. I think sometimes tenants just move into properties and just get on with things. And at the end of the tenancy, then that becomes sort of, becomes a big shock to the landlord when they see things have changed dramatically. But if, if you just keep people in the loop and you ask when you want to do things, your landlord might just say, you know what, you, we're speaking on a regular basis. I trust you. I know you now. Because if you think about it, when you first move into the property, the landlord is probably a little bit nervous. They don't know who you are. They don't know if you can look after the property. Once they've got a good feel for how, how you're looking after the property and those things, they're more likely to relax. And they'll definitely want you to treat the property as your own home and want to stay there long term. So yeah, I think once they, once they know you, once they trust you, they'll probably relax a little bit more. But I suppose getting things in writing, confirming it, that's more to protect yourself as the tenant so that you know at the end of the tenancy there can't be any uh, misunderstandings about what was agreed. Ask our expert. It's time for our Ask Our Expert question. That's you, James. That's been sent in from one of our listeners. So um, we kind of covered elements of this, I think, but uh, I'll still put the question to you. How does the process of ending a tenancy work and what should tenants keep in mind when giving notice to their landlord? Yeah, I mean, ending a tenancy comes back for the tenancy agreement that that will explain exactly what notices are required and, and all of those things. But again, as a general rule of thumb, from a tenant's point of view, you are normally needed to give one month's notice to end a tenancy. And that, that can't be within a fixed term. So you can only end a tenancy at the end of the fixed term that's been agreed. If the tenancy has gone past its fixed term and you're in a, a periodic tenancy, so a month-by-month rolling agreement, then you can give one month's notice again. But that is in line with the dates that you pay the rent. Um, from a landlord's point of view, they have to give two months' notice as a rule, as a minimum. Again, can't finish within the fixed term. Um, but if it's a periodic tenancy, then it's two months notice. So you get a bit more time um, as a tenant to understand, okay, I have to do whatever, sell the property, move back in, whatever it might be. So you have more time to go and find your next property, which which I know is very helpful. From a logistical point of view, I think it's worth keeping in mind when you are moving out, coming back to the deposit, your deposit almost certainly won't come back to you instantly. It takes a little time to administer. So even the quickest turnaround can be a few days to a week, but it can take, if there are disputes, a lot longer for your deposit to come back. 
um, or at least you know, a majority of your deposit to come back if there's a dispute. So you have to take into account if you need to pay a deposit for the new property, have you saved that up um, in time for, for when you want to move in? From a moving point of view, do you want to move out of one property and into the other property on the same day? That can be hard work and quite stressful. So do you want to have a, a couple of days in between where you've got time to do it in, in a bit more slow time and you know, make sure that you, you're able to clean the property you're leaving and return it in great condition for the landlord so you do get your full deposit back. And then other other things that just sometimes get forgotten in the rush, don't forget to take your meter readings and close down the utility accounts, tell your bank you're moving, change your driving license, all, all of those things that people quite often forget in the, in the, the, the rush of moving. Yeah. Well, before we end this month's episode, James, um, Think of this. This is now the match of the day highlights reel over the closing credits. Um, just in nutshells, what do we need to know? Any final bits we might have missed? Any bits of advice? Key takeaways for renters to get through what is clearly quite complicated. It shouldn't be scary, and I think you've made it so much less scary. That That's what these podcasts are all about. But still, there's a lot to navigate. What key takeaways uh, in our highlights reel can we have now? Yeah, I think, I mean, the highlights, it's going to be quite boring, I think, I'm afraid. But do your research. I think, you know, get get, get into your mind exactly what it is you're looking for, how much you can afford, and, and, and you won't go too far wrong then when you're looking looking for a property. And there's a plethora of information out there in terms of, you know, different websites to look at right move, find a property, all of those things. Read the legal paperwork. Again, not exciting but really important. So understand your tenancy agreement, ask questions about it before you sign it. Get get your letting agent to explain the details of it to you if there's anything you're not sure about. It really is important to understand before you sign it. If you're having issues of any kind during a tenancy relating to the tenancy, paying the rent, maintenance problems, anything like that, speak to your landlord as early as possible or the letting agent. And you know, they're, they're really there to help and to help resolve these things. And I think the final thing use a professional letting agent you know we we trained we do this as a living we've been through pretty much every scenario you could ever think of and you know our jobs are quite literally to help people move house and you know that, that's what we're here for i think that was a wonderful highlights reel and it had the word plethora in it and i think you can never go wrong with the word plethora that's wonderful stuff thank you so much now don't forget that it's always a good idea to consult with a financial advisor solicitor or a state agent or all of them to help you navigate the home buying process and the rental process and answer any additional questions you might have so thanks again to our special guest James Stefani Lettings Business Development Director at Aaron Estates and Wards thank you for sharing all your knowledge and expertise with us and you can check out all our previous episodes at im listening listing.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts from and don't forget to check out the property podcast with wards next month see you then and make sure you hit the subscribe button thanks for listening to the property podcast with wards if you'd like more information on the subjects that we've covered in today's episode just head over to the wards website at wardsofkent.co.uk or you can follow us on our social media channels. You can check out our latest episodes at www.im-listening.co.uk or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been an I Am Listening exclusive podcast. For more information, head over to our website, im-listening.co.uk.